This podcast is brought to you by Third World. That's all. We're just three immigrants talking trash. Talking trash. Hello and welcome to another episode of Three Immigrants Talking Trash. Yay! So I heard back the previous episodes and I feel like I sound like I'm on cocaine. Like I'm jumping from topic to topic. I'm not taking a second to dig deeper in one specific topic. So for this episode, I want to just focus in one topic and one topic only, which is trash. Yay! Yay! I've been okay. waiting for this episode because I want Why? you to explain to us what trash is. You tell me what trash is and don't say me. <laughs> Do not. <laughs> How beautiful, man. You know me so well. Okay, when I want to talk about trash, I don't want to talk about the physical trash can that is next to you. I want to talk about trash in the context of your career and you as an artist. What does that term mean to you? I don't know. Maybe nobody uses that term in your work. I use it a lot. People tell that to me a lot. That's a trash draft. And I think that in our careers, we deal with a lot of trash. We create trash. We consume trash. We deal with trashy people. We deal with trashy situations. We are really put through a lot of trash. When I think of trash, the first thing that comes to my mind is something unpleasant, something that's gone bad. But I also think of my dad, not because he's trashy. He's heavenly, literally sent from God. But he also works in the recycling field. And what they do is... Is they collect plastic bottles that are waste from all over South Africa and they make little chips out of it and then they convert that into fiber. So my dad is a classic example of someone who uses trash to convert it into something that is great. So trash is not necessarily something that can be discarded or dumped, but also it can be something that can be recycled, reused, transformed, converted. So the first thing I think of when I think of trash is my dad. (laughs) (laughs) How sweet. I love that. Yeah, I feel like people associate trash with something that can be disposable and that it disappears. And for me, like trash never disappears. You find a way to transform it like you say like your dad is doing or to make something useful out of it or you just put it in a corner make a pile let it rot (laughs) and it will take control over your surroundings right but it never disappears so when I look at trash as an artist I feel like it's so necessary you need to put out your trash for you to grow as an artist I look at my previous work and of course I cringe but At the same time, I'm like, how am I going to learn if I'm never putting work out? I need to get feedback. I need to like learn from what I did, restructurize and keep doing it, keep doing it, you know? So when I write something, I know that the first draft is trash. But that that shouldn't scare me to write, you know, because then I will never write. I feel that we have a gap between the work that we want to do and the work that we're able to make. And the only way to close that gap is to keep doing more work and creating. And obviously some of it is going to be trash. You just need to keep doing it and find a way to make it better. I like artists who put out their trash without insecurity. They're so accepting of the fact that this is part of their process. They're not ashamed of it. I love artists who share their sketches, you know. Not a lot of people share their sketchbook or their notebook. And that's so important to learn the process of an artist that you follow. And I love the ones that share their process. Like, look how ridiculous the first draft looked, you know, and look how amazing it is now. Look at this idea that I had. And then it just fucking transformed and it became this huge thing bigger than me that I didn't even know it was possible. Actually, I feel like there's a lot of trash on social media. Like there's less of a process of working underground and then putting your work out there when it's perfect. Now it's like, let me put that first draft. 
And I feel like it's also kind of decreased the level of acceptable art online. Yeah, no, there is a lot of trash online. I think people really appreciate your humble beginnings and the times that were trashy, like the work that you did that was trashy. Once you've achieved something that's worth sharing. <laughs> right. It's not like you're just going to post trash to trash to trash to trash, trash to and trash, then you're trash, just like- trash. I feel like I've now have credits as an actress, but when I started, I played the role of a lettuce. <laughs> I remember Let's that Let's talk about that. Why Why are you dressed as a lettuce? I don't know. It's my very first acting job in South Africa. They thought <laughs> I should be a lettuce. And you know what? When I think about my very first acting job, it was a play for a cultural show in Nigeria. And my class was being cast in Little Mermaid, the play. And I wanted to be Ariel, but my teacher thought I would be better fit as a crab so my first <laughs> jo- <laughs> my first acting job was that of a crab in a little mermaid play in oh. nigeria so you were sebastian <laughs> yes i was sebastian <laughs> oh my god how amazing <laughs> i swear to god like that is where my trashy acting credit started i had to do a lot of like childhood healing because that was an experience that really like traumatized me and i cried so much about it because i was like Mommy, what's wrong with me? Can I never be Ariel? Dealing with all of that now as an adult and like letting it go and telling yourself, baby girl, you can be Ariel. You are Ariel. And also, baby girl, Sebastian is very popular. A lot of people (laughs) love Sebastian. Everybody wants to be Ariel, but somebody has to be Sebastian as well. I love that you brought that up because I want to talk about trashy projects that you've been part of or trashy projects that you created. Me personally, I have created a lot of trashy projects. And there is one specific that I remember with nostalgia because it was like one of my first projects. And now I can laugh about it. But at the moment, I was fucking suffering. It was one of the projects that marked me. You know how people say we always have Paris? Mine is like we always have Hakumba because... (laughs) (laughs) And I tell you where is Hakumba. You don't even know where Hakumba is. But Hakumba is a little city in California close to the border next to Mexico. So I was part of like this fellowship where they were giving filmmakers the opportunity to make a short film. So for the first time, I wanted to try something kind of like sci-fi, but no sci-fi just yet. Let's just test the waters. The fellowship offered the option to travel outside the country if they wanted to. I cannot travel outside the country. So I went to Hakumba. (laughs) All my classmates, they went to Mexico, they went to Puerto Rico, they went to all these places. I went to Hakumba. And let me just add, Hakumba is literally just desert by the border in California. And so the place is full of just border patrol cars. Oh, my God. Full of immigration agents stopping everybody asking for their documents. That's what I like to be. What were you hoping to achieve there? Wait, I think you're not giving yourself enough credit, though, because I think the location is very in line with the story that you were trying to tell, which is kids crossing the border. Yeah, I was trying to tell a story about a little kid crossing the border during the day of the death. That was, in a nutshell, what the short film was about. Oh, yikes, bro. That's deep. And this location was great. It was literally the border. And it was cheap. It was close. I could achieve what I wanted to do. So when I pitched the idea, right, I was very confident of the concept. I know what I want. I know the location. I know the characters. I know the premise. I need a kid. I need a truck. The producer, 
who was supposed to help me to do all these things, he was like, that's too complicated. Get a kid, get a truck, you gotta change a couple of stuff. So I started changing the story, putting notes, forgetting about what I wanted to say at the beginning. I completely forgot what I wanted to say. It got diluted. It got diluted and then I still have to film, I still have to deliver something. So I saw this artist on social media, he wears a big skull and he plays with a lot of colorful smoke. He's basically like a performing artist. So he has like these smoke bombs that he lights up and he does this dance and walks through the smoke and visually it's gorgeous okay so she wanted him to be the representation of death in the film Mm -hmm. okay the story got super diluted i didn't know what i was doing and then everything just collapsed the day of filming came two actors cancel (gasps) the location is three hours and a half away I was driving the van with everybody on board. <laughs> and I was like, okay, guys, we're going to Hakumba field trip. We're here now. It's happening. I don't know what's going on, <laughs> but it's happening. I have to adapt the story. I have to shoot something. Not only that, I flew my friend from Mexico to help me film this piece. What? You know how in this fellowship, everybody go like an airline ticket. I got this ticket, but I cannot fly out the country. So I, I gave it to the cinematographer who I flew the cinematographer from Mexico. Didn't book in my hotel. He stay on my couch. What is my obsession with people staying on my couch? I'm so lonely, know. man. <laughs> Somebody tell us. I need to get rid of this couch. I don't know what's happening. It's like a black hole drawing people to, to the couch. And I'm like, okay, we're here now. The PA, she's going to be in the movie. Because I have two actors bail on me. I'm here fucked with this artist, this kid. I need to do something. So I'm trying to put together whatever piece I have from the script that I think that I can mash up together, make something out of it, and at least put it for my reel, right? And it was a shot show. Like we were running around the border. The border patrol were looking at us like, what the fuck is going on here? The performing artists started like putting smoke. People thought that there was a fire. We had a permit and we didn't create any fires or anything. No, it's just colorful smoke. It's just called the attention because there is nothing else happening in that town. It's fucking Hakumba. So one guy saw the smoke and he was like, fire! And he started running. The owner and of the we property. Were like, we were like, hey, hey, no, no, no. We're actually doing this piece about la, 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 la. Question. What was the story? What did it end up being in the end? A fucking shit show. People <laughs> running around the border with colorful smoke. A skull is following them. Nobody knows what's going on. There is a Virgin Mary and it was directed by Vanessa <laughs> Perez. So this piece is actually called Open to Interpretation. (laughs) And then tonight came and we were trying to shoot a dance with the artist. He has fire in his act. There's a lot of wind happening and he just burned his eye. And he's like, oh, and I'm like, guys, cut, cut the shit. Let's wrap. It was it was a lot of fun. Was he was he able to work after that? He was. He still has his eye. And then (laughs) the artist himself was driving the van. He drives home. With one functioning eye? (laughs) (laughs) He dropped you home with half an eye. This was the trashiest project I ever got to create. It's always like that, man. Our first projects suck. It taught me so much. I feel like I did a master with that project, you know? You need to be so clear with your ideas from the get-go. And you need to have people on the same page with you from the get-go. This is what I want. And this is how we're going to achieve it. I'm completely open to ideas. But I'm not going to let someone that doesn't know where I'm coming from completely destroy the idea and go with it. And then I don't understand where he comes from. Nobody's coming from anywhere anymore. We're in a shit show and we just need to make something happen. And I'm like, I will never, ever put myself in that place again. You know, 
I had to learn burnt that shit out. That was like five years ago. I have to commend you because I think that you've always been such an ambitious producer. I think since then, you've now like come such a long way. And like, guys, you anyone who's listening, Vanessa Perez is one of the best producers in LA. <laughs> and you're never Agreed. afraid. I think what I love from the story is that you're not afraid to yeah. dream big. Yeah. And yeah. like, not many people will, you know, like not many yeah. people will be like, I'm going to just like go balls out on this. You do go balls out on everything you do. And I think now you take calculated risks, but you take risks. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like before I will jump and the crash will be so strong <laughs> that now I'm a fucking skydiver. You know, I have a fucking parachute. I'm like, bitch, that will never happen again. Now you think about all the things that could potentially go wrong because your very first trashy project, <laughs> literally everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong. What about you guys? Any trashy projects that you remember that you were part of? Not that you specifically created, but maybe that you were part of, like Sebastian here already mentioned, if you have any others. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was also a C-class, like C-class superwoman for a web series that was created years ago. We literally shot one episode and the creators of this web series took me to these buildings in Culver City and made me jump in my superhero, <gasps> co a superwoman costume oh from one building to another. And I had no stunts experience. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> yes. And also the costume that they made for me as Superwoman, it was so heavy. It was such bad quality that at the end of the shoot, I was bleeding from my nose. And like for that shoot, I got like $68 or something. Wow. The costume was so expensive. <gasps> for them to make it, it was so expensive that literally I think they went bankrupt. <laughs> like they went bankrupt just <laughs> making the costume. costume. So they couldn't make another episode. And oh my god i just remember like feeling so ridiculous wearing the superwoman costume with like an underwear on top with like a cape and jumping from one building to another in culver city where people are looking at me thinking are you serious <laughs> like, oh my god Dude. and i was like full-on thinking that i was gonna be like wonder woman or something that this thing was gonna <laughs> blow up so i took that yeah. shit seriously you know from my past experience how like i take work very seriously we know, we know. So i just i kept on jumping one building to another oh my, oh my god that's hilarious i will kill to have that drone footage oh my god you still have the footage <laughs> i don't i haven't seen it wow after all that work but i might actually be able to like reach out to those people and if i can get the footage i'll send it to you oh my god i feel like they saw the footage and they were like no i think she might sue us so let's just like hold this shit <laughs> <Yes>. out <laughs> she's like just jumping from building without any harness or any stunt member nothing <laughs> it was just me and like one person filming me and another person just like i don't know holding my cape and like flying it in the sky oh my like god <laughs> You know, we're so naive when we're so young, you yeah, know, when we start off in an industry that you actually absolutely. think that something so small and trashy can really blow up and make you, you know, big. So <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I thought I was going to be like an A-list actress after that. Uh, my first job here, I got it as a graphic designer. This agency told me, okay, there's this really big hair and beauty brand that really needs your skills right now. I'm like, oh my God. They say okay. it's Tony and Guy. I grew up, my mom, all her friends, you know, all the hair products were Tony and Guy. I use Tony and Guy. I'm like, okay, it's a big brand. It's my first job in LA. I'm going to design for them. This is amazing. I go early to the job the first day. <laughs> I enter. It's like a beauty salon. It's like a, the Tony and Guy, but the salon, not like their headquarters or anything. <laughs> I'm like, okay, am I getting a haircut, guys? What's going on? And there's a bunch of grumpy guys and this older woman, Midwestern or Southern. She had a Southern accent. 
And no joke, she looked like these Dolly Parton characters. She had no idea how to tell me what I was there to do. She had no idea how to work with a graphic designer. And guess <laughs> what I was there to do? Cutting hair? What? They sent you to cut no. hair? You had to take wash, pictures of her. Wash heads? Were you washing heads? I was basically there to do Tony and Guy brochures for pet products, dog products. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's a start. It. It's a start. Stop it. Oh my God, I cannot believe you never told me the story. She pulls up a picture of a bulldog and she's like, so this is the guy that we want to use in the packaging. And I'm like, oh my God. And I'm doing this on an old computer in the corner of the salon while other people are getting a haircut. No way. $20 an hour. It's probably the last time you did a $20 an hour job. First and last time. Okay, all right. I don't know if you guys did any internships here in Los Angeles or work for free, but I wasn't familiar with this until I came here. And then I realized how people just work on internships for years and years. Yes. And they can go a year without being paid and that's fine for them. It's almost like we accept this to the point that it became a norm, you know? I remember when I went to this internship, he was at a casting agency. The first day, everything was great. I was like, this is nice. I can totally do this. Letting the actors in, knowing where, where auditions are. Maybe like a casting director will see me and he will tell me like, oh, come read this size. You have the role. And I'll be like, I just need to be where the casting directors are, right? Working for free, no problem. I don't have money for gas or food, but it's okay. <laughs> a casting director will pull me out. One million dollar baby. <laughs> That was the first day. <laughs> then the second day, I met one of the colleagues and he was telling me that he's been there for two years. Mm -hmm. Unpaid. Unpaid? Yeah. Is he crazy? Actually, he told me he's been there for three years, two years unpaid, and then finally they hire him oh and God. he's been working there for one year. Oh my God. You know? So when I heard that, guys, <laughs> I'm like, where are my car keys? <laughs> I, need to, I need to leave. <laughs> I was telling him, hey, I really like the place. You know, I feel like <laughs> this is my energy. It matches what I want to do. Like, this is great, right? And he's like, yeah, this is great. I actually work here as an intern for two years. You're <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> like, run! He's like, yeah, now they just hired me the last year and I've been working here full time. And I also work as a clown at Universal Studios, scaring people on Halloween nights. <laughs> <laughs> and only with these two jobs... I'm able to make ends meet. And I saw all the bruises that he had in his arms. Oh my God. And I was like, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I need to leave because I'm triggered. Like I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if this is the right job for me. I don't know if I can work here for two years and like, I'm gonna be in debt if I stay here for two but years. But that doesn't mean that that would be your journey. I just got scared and like, I got in my car. I'm like, I'm closing my window. I'm like, okay guys. <laughs> Thank you for the journey. Okay, bye. Yeah. And I sent an email to, to the woman who hired me. Hey, I don't know if you remember me, but I don't think I'm going to keep coming to, to the internship. Thank you, you for the give journey. It one day. I gave it like two days. <laughs> yeah, I also worked at a casting agency for two days because the exact same thing happened to me too. But, <laughs> but it was an older man, like literally like my dad's age, who'd been working there like a couple of years. And I think he was getting paid well. But it's just that I used to see him and the way he was working and dealing with these actors. And I literally lasted at that place for like two days because I was like, I just can't. I'm never going to get discovered here. This is like a dark hole. Damn. So basically don't work in casting. I think in the middle of the day, I was just like, my parents are downstairs and I got to go. And then I just never came back. And she was like, <laughs> pretty sure her parents live in South Africa, but whatever. 
<laughs> There's just so many people willing to be interns in LA that unpaid. I'm okay with an internship. I'm totally fine with like a three months. We are really into each other, and I'm gonna give you three free months of my workforce. Sure, and you give me some knowledge. Let's do that exchange. Mm. But for a year, two years, that's abuse, bro. That's yeah. like, I'm like, oh, I understood then where the company stands in terms of interns. It's going to take a while for them to hire me, you know? And when I say that I was there two days, guys, I exaggerate. I was there like maybe three. <laughs> no, I mean like a week, like a full week, two weeks, but not a full month. Because I also talked with another colleague and he told me that he was there as an intern for eight months as well. So I kind of understood that it took forever for them to hire you and start paying right. you. And I'm like... Sorry, boo. I need gas in my car. No, 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 no. You guys have any trashy situation that you created? I've created many trashy situations, but in life, not necessarily like work-wise. <laughs> I think more like creating trashy situations for my parents because I was <laughs> a trashy adolescent. Any particular stories that you have? So the one time Amy and I went out clubbing and we were 21 years old. We weren't like children. We went out clubbing and we got wasted that night and pun intended. And we decided that we were definitely going to drive home drunk because we thought we were perfectly fine to drive, but obviously oh, no. we weren't. And we basically passed out in the car and my Oof. face was like plastered on the driving wheel. Luckily, my daddy knew which club we were at. <laughs> so my poor dad, when he <laughs> saw that we didn't get home by like four o'clock in the morning, he drove to that club he circled around that club like several times looking for my car and me and Amy. So were there not cell phones by this time? What no, we weren't saying? answering our phone because obviously we were so passed out annoying. in the car. Yeah, oh, we're so shit. annoying, guys. We're so annoying. This keeps getting annoying. So then he goes <laughs> to the parking lot and he looks at every single car. And yeah. then he finds the car that I am in with my best friend passed out. And he's like, well, there's my daughter. <laughs> oh my Literally God. carries us, puts us in his vehicle. Oh, my God. And then he all of his worries were over on the way back home he gets pulled over by the cops and he, and they're like are you trafficking these two girls oh my god oh and he's like god. no one of them is my daughter and like you know i'm just taking her home um but anyway we got home that night we were safe and the next morning wow. and I were just like we will never repeat this kind of trashy oh. behavior how do we not know the story you trash trash <laughs> you trash can <laughs> because this topic really made me think of all the trash Trashy incidents in my life, and I was like, I will never take my. Yo, but like, oh, that's wow! Your dad is an angel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a dad. He's a dad. That's what a dad does. He took initiative. He went there. This bitch is not answering her phone. Let me see what the fuck is happening. But wait, I have a question. When the police stop him, what? He had to show an ID. No, no, no. He, he, he just he like, my dad just opened his mouth and they were like, no, he's an innocent man. Let him go. But like, <laughs> like, like, I don't think at this moment we would be alive like Amy and I if my dad hadn't picked us up that night because it's man, South Africa, in, guys. Yeah, you're It's South Africa. That's crazy. Maybe there was something in your drink number 10. No, no, like no. This. It was us and our trashy <laughs> drinking habits. Definitely. I created a lot of trashy situations when I was in my teens. <laughs> like oh, way too oh, many yeah. that I don't even know where to start. <laughs> When I was on my teens, I crashed my mom's car. How did that happen? <laughs> I was going to a party with some friends and I was driving my mom's car, right? She gave me her big tri-blazer. Trailblazer. Trailblazer. <laughs> we got a girl. So she gave me this huge car for me to go out with my friends. Yeah. Also, she didn't know where I was going. 
I, I don't know. I was 18. I was 19. No, I feel between 16 and 19, a full blur of like, <laughs> I don't know what happened. <laughs> Three years of my life are missing. What I know is that I was driving my mom's car and I was going to a party with some friends. And this party was a little bit farther than I thought it would be. It was like at a country house. So we have to drive like 40 minutes. I don't know what the fuck happened. It was so dark that I'm driving and I don't see these fucking fence in front of me with the... The spikes? The spikes <laughs> to protect the fucking cows. It came out of nowhere and I immediately crashed into it, you know? And like, there is nothing after. Yeah. Did and the airbags <gasps> come out? No, no. We were all okay because we didn't crash into anything. We crashed into just wire. But it fucking scratched the car. It blew a tire. It took the bumper out. And we had this fucked up car in the middle of the night, in this middle of the fucking country land, five women inside a car. But we were close to our location. We arrived. Wow, it was great. We had a great time. <laughs> I'm like, I forgot about the car. <laughs> Cocaine line. Hey. <laughs> I'm happy again. Great. We leave. I don't even know how I drove after that party. But I drove back to my friend's place. In that car? Yeah, in the car. All good, right? That's what I thought. <laughs> Next morning, I woke up. I come down. I see the car. It looks like a piece of shit. Oh, my God. I can finally see the damage. And I'm like, wow, this wasn't just wire, bitch. Like, <laughs> did you just free some prisoners? Like, did you just broke into a jail or something? Like, <laughs> you obviously damaged the car. I don't know why I thought the best solution was to don't say anything to my mother, take the car to a repair shop, repair it myself, and then just bring the car like it was new and nothing happened. Okay. Fucking psycho. I really think that was going to work. I started like panicking. My friend sees the car next to me. She started panicking as well. She started calling friends. Hey, do you know an auto shop? One friend recommends this auto shop that is in the middle of fucking nowhere, dude. In the middle of crackland. Mm. It's so poor, but it's super cheap. I think that they, they stole a different bumper. I don't know, because it was super cheap. He gave me a quote that I was like, are you joking? Is this for two coffees or something? It was so cheap mm -hmm. that I have to like, oh, okay, I think actually this is my work. I think I can actually fix the car, show up at my mom's place with the car fixed, and nothing happened. I leave the car there in the middle of crackland. I go back to my friend's place. My mom is calling me, hey, where are you? You haven't appeared since last night. You haven't like answered your phone. Everything is great. Everything is great. I just had a little incident with the car tire and I'm fixing it. She's like, okay, where are you? We can come get you. So the repairs supposed to take two days. At the beginning, he told me by end of day, but then he told me actually two days. I spent those two days in my friend's place and my mom is like, where the fuck are you? <laughs> and then my mom starts just looking around for me. She finds my friend's address and I'm like having fun, having fun. Hey, la 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 la. And I hear a knock at the door at my friend's place and we're like what the fuck is going on i don't know why i got super scared and i'm like i immediately just hid and my friend went to answer the door and she was like hey my name is i am vanessa's mother i'm looking for her do you know where she is and she's like oh no no i have no idea she's completely lying to my mom because i didn't want to face my mom you know i'm like i'm not ready to come home yet guys i need to bring the car completely repair like nothing happened my mom was calling me. She's like, hey, if things are bad with the car or anything, it's fine. Like, just ah! come home, bitch. It's fine. It's not the end of the world. So I like completely stress her out for like two days. Finally, I appear home with the car. It looks like fucking new. But my mom wants to fucking kill me and remove my eyes. <laughs> she doesn't give a you fuck about the car. You actually got the car? I thought he like ran away with it or something. <laughs> No, I went back to Crackland. My car was like new. This guy repaired everything different. For the price of two coffees? I'm telling you, I don't know what the fuck is going on there. I don't know if they put 
trucks inside the car <laughs> and I trafficked it without knowing. Um, anyway, so I fixed the car. I came home. My mom like didn't want to talk to me, but I felt like, honestly, if she had seen the car the way it was, it yeah, you would have been, been disowned. Yes, probably. So she says like, oh, definitely. I don't give a fuck about the car, but I'm like, you haven't seen the car. <laughs> so now that I fixed it, forget about it. That's how I fixed that trash situation. I just cannot believe that you were able to actually fix it in the middle of nowhere. You're so annoying. And I feel like I'm still annoying. Let's talk about what do we find to be trash? Like, what do we think is trash? It can be anything. Fucking rant about the things that you find trashy in life. I find a lot of attitudes trashy. People have certain traits that are very trashy. Me, myself included. I think there are things that I really had to like work on. Sometimes I look at my mom and I'm like, that passive aggressive attitude is very trashy, mom. That's got a G. You should just like really learn to communicate better. But then I look at myself and like also I've used to have like very impulsive, aggressive outbursts, you know, which I think is very trashy now when I look back, now that I'm a lot more like spiritual. As long as like I think people are a little bit more aware of how they're coming across, then we won't have so much trash lying around in the world. Yeah, I mean, we're trying to get better, no? I mean, that's the hope. We are re-examining our behavior and we want to take out what is no longer working and we want to progress, right? I feel that one of the trashiest behaviors that I let go of was being so intense. I've always been like an intense person, not knowing how to deal with their emotions. But how? But give me an example. Like, how would you get intense in a regular conversation? Like, she would just go lock herself in the room for like an, a year. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> Sorry, guys. There's a little yeah. bit of that. Or she would like sit on the dining table and eat with me, but like not say anything. It's like... <laughs> No, I'm joking, guys. There is a little bit of that. I love her No, so no, you're not joking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, when I mean intense is that before I was so allergic to small talk. If you are here next to me, let's exchange energy. I want to know about your deepest fear. Were you molested as a child? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I want to talk about that. <laughs> like, I don't give a fuck about who took the bus, if there is traffic. I feel like I was intense in that sense. And also... As an artist, you need to put it in your work. And I was just putting it in my relationships. And I was just treating people like I'm in a movie or like I'm <laughs> a character. And like, this is a scene. And yeah. the stakes are higher. And like, we need something from this scene. Something needs to happen. Don't be dull now. Don't bore me. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a filmmaker. We need to make a scene happen. And they're like, there just for breakfast, <laughs> yeah, you know? And so people true. are not... so true. Oh my God, you know, do, yeah, you, yeah, like I get it. you are not ready for this type of intensity. And I'm like, bitch, what are you doing? Giving your intensity for free. You need to charge people for this type of energy that you're changing and you need to put mm. it in your work because you are being passive aggressive to your friends. You are like overly aggressive to this stranger. You're telling this person that you love her in a very disgusting way. Like, what the fuck is going on with you? You need to bring it to your work and have a dull life. <laughs> Be more mature, you know, like learn how to communicate. And yeah, that was a trashy behavior that I had to let go. And then I noticed through the years, like I'm talking like 10 years ago, five years ago, last week. Today, I'm a new person. Well, I'm glad because that was pretty fucking annoying. <laughs> We've loved you in every way. We'd be in the middle of, of breakfast. I say like the lamest joke and she'll just get up and leave. <laughs> yeah, because she's allergic 
allergic to basic. Oh, well, she used to be. At least now she can tolerate it. Now I love it. I feel like not every encounter needs to be magical and dramatic. Get used to the common life, the simple life, and like learn to live with that. Those are the moments that matter the most. Learning how to live in that mundane life, you know, because literally it's like 90% of the I day. I agree <laughs> yeah. so much. I find trash the condescending way that people look at people with accents, you know? <gasps> yes! It's like, bitch, save your condescending shit. I know I have an accent. I live with it. I listen to myself louder than you can listen to me, bitch. It's in my brain. I can hear my echo inside my mouth. And like to see your condescending look like, oh, I'm sorry, you know two languages and one of them is broken. I don't give a fuck. I know two languages. Yes, one of them is broken. You know, one language... It's good. And then what do you do with it? You know, you're trying to be condescending to me, bitch. I really don't think that most of these people are looking at you condescendingly. I think they're, it's, it's a different reaction, but that's how you're reading it. It might be just understanding, oh, she has an accent or trying to wonder where you're from or thinking it's so cute. It could be all of these things. Yeah, I can totally be projecting. I'm not saying that everybody that I open my mouth to, they look at me in a condescending way, but there are people that you right. definitely feel that and get that from them, you know? And there's, there's other people that are trying to correct you, like just give you like a grammar sentence right there. Like, do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yes or no? I can repeat. I don't need a grammar lesson. I only had one situation where a woman was talking to me like I don't speak English. I asked her a question and then she repeated the same thing word by word as if I'm deaf or, oh or my God. I'm stupid. She was like, so like I said, this, this, that, and this, this, and that. Do you understand? And I was like, yes, ma'am, actually, I believe my English is better than yours. You said that? And then she just completely switched up her attitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I heard what you said. What you don't understand is my question. There you go, girl. Let them know. Yeah, I think that's my point. You know, some people do look at you or like ask you a question in a, in a sense that are you dumb yeah. type of thing. And I'm like, no, I am translating. My lips need warm up. The word is not coming properly. Give me a second. I still can do the job. I can definitely do the job. I have two layers of two different right. languages. So just because I miss a word or like use in or on or like you're trying to teach me that's actually add, I don't give a shit yeah. at that moment. That's the attitude you should you know, give then and just like, put them back in their place. Totally. But I just think it's trash. Just the, <laughs> the condescending way that people look at other people with accents. It is trash. And there's a word for it. It's called cultural insensitivity. I mean, this has happened to me several times where like I'm sitting at a dinner table and everyone at that table is discussing where my accent is from while I am there. Yeah. yeah. Is that a comfortable thing for me to sit there and listen to you guys talk about where is her accent from? Is it Indian? Is it uh -huh. South African? Is it Nigerian? Uh -huh. Is it British? Is it, I don't know. But like <laughs> now you've just killed my appetite. And also <laughs> it's demeaning to me. You can discuss this when I'm not there. Why do you have to discuss this in front of me and then right? dissect it? Yeah. It's almost like it's okay to discuss it even now that you are in the room because if you're not complaining about what I'm saying, it must yeah. be okay what I'm saying, you know? Some people are even like, don't tell me where your accent is from. Let me guess. Oh, uh, Brazil. No. Okay, 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 okay. Colombia. No. Paraguay? No. Costa Rica, right? No. Argentina? Can I leave? Yeah, it's so bad. It's like... 
Why do we have this urge to figure out who this person is from? What do they identify as? Why do we need to know that? So that we can immediately just put them in a box. But it's also so we know how to behave with them. Right. That's true as well. So I'm going to behave differently with an artist than with a banker, for example, or with a conservative Muslim woman versus a white hippie. Got it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that makes sense too. I think that people who are still, especially when you live in big coastal cities like LA, If you still get people who are surprised and commenting about your accent or whatever, these people is a demographic that does not travel. Yeah. I don't want to get like racial about it, but I've met so many white Americans here who completely look over my accent, like can kind of tell where I'm from, but yeah, doesn't really matter. to Like they're so used to being around people from everywhere. I feel you can notice when someone hasn't been around different people because they're like surprised and so curious. And it's almost like they saw an exotic animal. You know, yeah. and it's like, wow, look at those feathers and look at the way she rolls her tongue. I got this thing from an executive. It was the first week he met me, you know, first week. And he was like, what is your accent, man? You are like a so passionate. I'm sure you are Latina because you have that fire in you. Ugh. And I'm oh like, shut the fuck up. I am Latina and I had to fire me, but I don't give a fuck about what you have to say about that. Write it in your diary, <laughs> like write it in your journal and keep watching your salsa movies and your Hollywood stereotypes about Latinos having out this rhythm and all these loud yeah. chancletas and plancrecas. Yeah. But don't bring it to work. I'm meeting you right now and you're telling me I'm just so fiery and I'm just so passionate. And Ay, that's so annoying. annoying. I wish we can do like a sketch or something where we reverse the roles and it's actually the white man that is receiving all the stereotypes. So imagine Vanessa said to him, man, where are you oh, from? You're yeah. really light skinned. You have no lips and you're cold. <laughs> oh, you must be Canadian. <laughs> you have no lips, right? Imagine it was the yeah, other way around. Imagine. And I told this guy, oh yeah, I'm from Venezuela. And he's like, man, I knew, I knew you are Latina and I knew you are here to not waste your time and you're going to achieve great things. Wow. And I'm like, I just met you. So I was at a bar with some colleagues once and we were talking about what was going on, what was happening in the news. It was Trump days. And my colleagues know that I'm part Syrian. <laughs> One of these colleagues is a 24-year-old white male who describes himself as a conservative. I don't know how you can be like 25 in 2021 and consider yourself a conservative and you're like living in California, you know. <laughs> so he had these weird political views, in my opinion. The second we mentioned Syria, I don't know how <laughs> paper towel came up. Oh, and he said, there are paper towels in Syria? <gasps> and like, we're in the middle of a large group. What do you say? And I was so shocked. I started laughing, but laughing in disbelief. <laughs> like, are you fucking kidding me? And I have a colleague next to me who's older, wiser, uh, well-traveled. And she tells me, He's young. He's uh, suburban from Chicago. He's, he doesn't know. It's just he has these images in his head. So I want to get into it. And I was like, what makes you think that in Syria there are no paper towels? And he said, I really mean no offense, but it's just that from the footage that I see on the right. news, it's hard for me to imagine someone entering a store and leaving with a bag of packaged paper towels. It seems like the country is so crumbled that, I don't know, people are using cloth. You know, oh, okay. I was like, wow, that's that's what they see. They don't know yeah. that all they see are specific targeted cities that are at war. If you just drive two hours in the other direction, you're in the capital in Damascus, where some people are living better than him. <laughs> Or even if we don't, why, why would you, would you say, say that? that? I mean, we can go on and on about trash situations, but. 
I want to talk about trash in the context of the name of the podcast and the previous work that we have done together. I don't know if you guys remember, but once we tried to do like a video podcast. Yeah, I did. It sucked. It's, and you said we have trash. no future in this. So basically that was the trash version of this podcast. Yeah, I remember that. You were very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, I'm never working with you guys again. You were like, what happens to Ayushi? You're always so funny. And the moment we say record, then you just lose all your humor. It's like you're scared of the red button or something and i was like oh my god my i was like my face is hot i'm sweating that was an example of her intensity back then isn't that what happened that's exactly i remember you were driving and i was giving you all this feedback <laughs> you were like oh my god what happened can i watch <laughs> and i'm like no it's too bad for you even to watch <laughs> i was like traumatized basically this is to say that both ayushi and i have been abused by vanessa while supporting her during her creative endeavors several times you guys have supported me from day one yeah, yeah. honestly every project i'm like okay i need two bodies guys just sit there start talking something i need to see how it looks in the camera and you guys just bring your humor i edit a couple <laughs> things and then that's literally how i learned how to film a video yeah. just like putting you guys in front of a camera and asking you a bunch of random questions and Aww. sometimes she would fake user-generated questions as if people were commenting online and sending us questions and we would play believe toma 19 and then she's like okay toma tell me you guys are so cute i would like to come in your faces <laughs> what? and you're like toma no 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 <laughs> So yeah, we have done a bunch of trashy projects to get hopefully to something better. <laughs> Definitely more experienced both, I think, professionally and personally. That was literally the beginnings. Yeah. You guys remember when we filmed Owan, a web series pilot that I created and you guys fucking helped me to pull it through. And it was so much fun. And we went through so much stress. I had to record it a VO and like I panicked and I spent like five hours just trying to say, hey guys, <laughs> welcome to my life. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> something like this i don't even know it was like one sentence but i was like so panic and that's how speech and language is so important because when you are like in a state of panic yeah. it will come like out of your totally. mouth and i don't know why i panicked to say two sentences that was like literally my beginnings of a video that was and because Manal of how intense you were no and manali was even more intense giving me the direction <laughs> <laughs> i'm like why aren't you getting there why are you not doing this? and i'm like <laughs> I don't even know what the sentence was, but I was even more like, it was her script. <laughs> she wrote the line. Yeah, but it's different to write it. And then it's different to actually be on set amongst actors to perform it. Well, that was a really fun project, though. I think we need to do an episode two. This episode, we're donating to the Ocean Cleanup. It was founded by inventor Boyan Slat when he was just 18 years old. This guy is a genius, guys. He's basically aiming to clean up the great Pacific garbage patch by 2040. So all donations go towards this amazing technology that they have in the Pacific Ocean right now, gathering trash. All trash created by human beings who themselves are trash. Thank you, guys, and thank you to the Ocean Cleanup. That's amazing. Beautiful. D-I-T-T. D-I-T-T. Dead. D-I-T-T. Dead.